on my back. I was indoors. I opened my eyes. Staring down at me was an alien. A pale, ghostly oval face with two enormous eyes. It looked like a little kid with weak arms and legs. It looked like one of those aliens from that old movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. In fact, it looked exactly like one of them. I blinked and looked again. It was a life-size cardboard cutout. Standing just behind the alien was Data from Star Trek The Next Generation. I sat up. All around me were shelves piled with Star Wars masks, Wookiees and Darth Vader and Imperial Stormtroopers, along with Star Trek handheld phasers and Spock ears. There were posters everywhere. Mulder and Scully from X-Files, Mike Crow and Servo from Mystery Science Theater 3000, Jane Fonda as Barbarella, and movie posters from Planet Nine from Outer Space. The Day the Earth Stood Still, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and, of course, 2001, A Space Odyssey. But mostly there were posters, mugs, ashtrays, pencils, and t-shirts, all emblazoned with a red and white logo, dominated by the stencil lettering spelling Zone 91. She's awake, Rachel said. She sauntered over, carrying a short stick in one hand. What's going on? I asked her. You were knocked out. You know, when the totally unexplainable explosion happened. She arced one eyebrow and gave me a meaningful look. I understood. Rachel was reminding me that we had not seen what we had seen. There had been no yurt crawling from a horse's ear. There had been no dracon beam. My father came rushing over, followed by Crazy Helen. He knelt and began feeling my head. Ow! Looks okay, he muttered. Superficial cut. Serious bruise, but I doubt there's a concussion. Still, I'll take you by the hospital emergency room on the way home. Have the doctors there check you out. Rachel winked. Dr. Carter may be there. Noah Weil. Oh, yeah. What happened? I asked my dad. Well, honey. It was the aliens! Crazy Helen interrupted. They have these exploding rocks they spread out there. Boom! My father rolled his eyes. We're on the edge of an Air Force facility. They have a base way back in the drylands. You see the jets flying over all the time. I suspect they may have lost a bomb or a missile or something. That snake-bit horse must have set it off. The blast caught you. That sounds logical, I said. It was the aliens! Crazy Helen screamed. They keep the aliens out at Zone 91. That's why it's all so secret out there. That's why the Air Force won't talk about it. Zone 91 is the secret base where the government keeps the aliens it has captured. They have them out there in cages. They get secrets of technology from them. You think computers just happened? All that stuff was aliens. Here, have a souvenir mug. Normally 10.99, but you can have it because you got hurt. Helen grabbed a mug off the shelf wiped it off on her sleeve, and handed it to me. Rachel held up her stick. I got a pecan log, she said. 
You want a mug? Helen asked her. No, the pecan log is great, but I don't really believe in aliens. Rachel said this with a perfectly straight face. Helen just smiled. Lots of people do, young lady. Very smart people, too. Out at Zone 91, they know. Oh, they know. The government doesn't want us telling. They watch me. They listen in through the microchip they implanted in my head. They're listening right now. One of those black helicopters of theirs is listening in and transmitting everything we say to the New World Order headquarters in Azores. That's where Atlantis is, you know. This tirade left us all temporarily without anything much to say. We just kind of stared. Well, we may as well get out of Helen's hair, my father said, breaking the spell. Cassie, honey, do you feel okay? Can you focus your eyes? Um, yes, I said. But how about that horse? My father shook his head, mystified. Strangest thing. There isn't a trace left of her. Not a trace. Ha! It's the Martians, Crazy Helen said. It's all the fault of those darn aliens. Rachel and I exchanged a look. We were both having the same thought. It's a very strange world where a person called Crazy Helen is at least partially right. Chapter 4 You've never heard of Zone 91 before? It's the holy grail of conspiracy nuts, Marco said, in between slurps of Mountain Dew. Man, don't you ever go on the internet? The internet is full of people who think there are aliens at Zone 91. It's called the most secret place on Earth. I go on the internet, Rachel said. I just don't hang out in chat rooms, call myself Stud Boy, and try to convince people I'm an incredibly handsome 30-year-old millionaire. Excuse me, Marco said. But I do not use Stud Boy as my screen name. Give me some credit. I use Baldwin Boy 5. You know, the missing fifth Baldwin brother. The really cool looking one. We were all at the mall food court the day after the incident in the drylands. I was clutching a shopping bag. Inside were several smaller bags from the Gap and J Crew. It was all Rachel's doing. Despite everything, she had actually remembered my stupid promise. Now I owned outfits. Not just clothing, mind you. Outfits. Even I've heard of Zone 91, Jake said. And unlike Marco, I'm a fairly normal human being. Marco threw a french fry at Jake. Jake ducked. And with a quick movement, Axe snagged the french fry out of midair, popped it in his mouth, and said, Mmm, grease, grease, and salt. Just then, a boy walked up to the table. He seemed nervous, edgy, like he was a little scared by the experience of being in the mall. He looked over his shoulder a lot, and when he looked right at you, he squinted as if you were nearsighted. Hey, Tobias, Marco said. We were thinking about ordering some pizza. You want mouse meat on yours? Maybe I should back up a little and explain who all these people are because otherwise you'd never guess that this sponge was the Animorphs. First, there's Jake. Jake is pretty much the leader. Not that anyone really treats him that way. And not that he'd want anyone to treat him that way. See, that's part of the reason Jake is our leader. Because he's the kind of guy who doesn't need anyone sucking up to him. Then there's Marco. What can I say about Marco? 
Not as much as he would say about himself, that's for sure. Marco is our sense of humor in the group, but he is not the class clown. There's a seriousness to him, way down beneath all the glib jokes and teasing. Marco sees things other people sometimes miss. He is very smart and very wide awake, if you know what I mean. Marco is Jake's best friend. They've been best friends forever. No one even remembers when it started. But ever since their friendship began, they've been arguing with each other about the most completely idiotic things in the universe. Whether you should use more pedal or higher gears to win this dumb driving video game they love. Whether Spider-Man could beat Batman. Whether basketball takes more teamwork than football. Whether cheese tastes yellow. I'm not kidding. They once spent an entire Saturday arguing whether something could taste like a color. I seem to remember that Marco thought cheese actually tasted green. Despite this, Jake and Marco, along with Rachel and me, are the most normal members of the Animorphs. The other two are definitely weirder. Take Tobias. Tobias is a kid trapped in the body of a red-tailed hawk. That happens if you stay more than two hours in a morph. You stay in that morph permanently. Tobias lives in the forest near a meadow. He still lives by hunting mice and rabbits. But a vastly powerful creature called an Elemist just recently gave Tobias back his power to morph. So now Tobias can morph like any of us. Except just as we have to return to our human form before two hours, Tobias has to return to his hawk form. So the human body Tobias was in at the mall was actually a morph of his old human body. That's why he seemed nearsighted. He was used to his laser-sharp hawk eyes. He could stay forever in that human body, but then he'd be trapped as a human, unable to morph. Confusing? It gets worse. The last member of our group is not a human at all. His full name is Aximili Eskorth Isthil. We call him Axe. Axe is an Andalite, but he also has a human morph he created out of bits of DNA from Jake, Marco, me, and Rachel. Axe in his human morph is shockingly pretty for a boy and extremely weird. See, Andalites have no mouths, no sense of taste. So when Axe is in human morph and has a mouth, he has no resistance whatsoever to flavors. Axe is dangerous around cinnamon buns, and chocolate, and popcorn, and the paper boxes the popcorn comes in. Basically, Axe in human morph should not go anywhere near anything that can be eaten. We've had to stop him from eating the butts out of ashtrays. Don't get me wrong, Axe is brilliant and decent and honorable and brave, when he's in his own body. So, what's up? Tobias asked. Six sets of eyes casually scanned the area around us. The mall was not busy, and it was too early for a big dinner crowd at the food court. But we had to be sure that no one was even slightly within range to overhear. Our enemies could be anyone, anywhere. Rachel and Cassie went out to Zone 91 and found horses making phone calls, Marco said. Tobias's eyes darted to me, then to Rachel. He looked very serious. He had mostly forgotten how to make human expressions with his face. But he was still Tobias. Can someone interpret from Marco Babble to normal language? I think I liked you better as a chicken, Tobias, Marco said. Red-tailed hawk, Tobias said tolerantly. Marco shrugged. Chicken, pigeon, hawk, whatever. 
Um, how about if we get down to business before someone interrupts us? Jake suggested. Okay, Dad, Marco said. Then, becoming instantly serious, he quickly and efficiently summarized for Tobias what we knew. Yurks and horses, Rachel said. It makes zero sense. Why would Yurks want to make controllers out of horses? Do horses have some special powers? powers Axe asked. In addition to enjoying taste, he finds speaking words out loud to be strange. I shrugged. They're herd animals. Not very smart. In fact, pretty dumb, really. They can run fast, but there are lots of faster animals. They're strong, but there are a lot of other animals that are stronger. I shrugged again. I can't see why the Yurks would be wanting to infest horses. Maybe they think they can win the Kentucky Derby, Rachel joked. Maybe it's some kind of strange Yurk entertainment, Jake offered. Maybe it's fun for them. I don't believe Yurks do anything for fun, Prince Jake, Axe said. They would have some reason. Axe, please don't call me Prince Jake, especially not in public. Yes, Prince Jake, Jake-a. Are you two sure about this? Jake asked Rachel and me. It was a yurk you saw? Not a snake or a snail or something? And what if your dad is right, and it was an exploding artillery shell, not a dracon flash? Tobias suggested. We're not doubting you, Jake added quickly. It's just that there's no good reason for yurks to infest horses. I looked at Rachel. I was sure of what we'd seen. Mostly. Well, I guess I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, pretty sure, Rachel echoed. So, what do we do? Jake asked. Take a look around in the drylands? See if we can get some more proof? Very good flying out there, Tobias said. Lots of sweet thermals. And plenty of delicious snakes and toads? Marco asked with mock innocence. I can't go tomorrow, Jake said. It's my dad's birthday. We're all going out for dinner. Even Tom? Rachel asked. Tom says he'll be there, Jake said darkly. But who knows? He spends a lot of time at meetings of the sharing lately. All the more reason why I have to be there. My dad is not going to celebrate his birthday without at least one of his sons there. What did you get your dad? I asked, trying to lighten the mood. Jake grinned. Haven't done it yet, but I think I'm going to clean the roof gutters for him. Marco shuddered. Actual physical labor? Couldn't you just get him a nice Hallmark card? I am kind of curious about this thing with the horses, I said. But we could put it off till the weekend. It could be worth checking out, Jake said. But we don't need everyone to go along. Who wants to go flying with Cassie tomorrow after school? In the end, Tobias, Rachel, Marco, and I decided to go. Jake was busy, and I don't think Axe saw any point in it. We broke up and went our separate ways. We try not to spend much time together in public. We don't want any inquisitive controllers to start thinking of us as a group. So Rachel and I left together. No one is taking this seriously, are they? I asked her. I get the impression Axe thinks we're nuts. 
Yurks and horses? Horse controllers? It is kind of hard to see where that's some big threat. Yeah, I guess that's true. But hey, any excuse to go flying, right? Chapter 5 The next day, I wore my new outfit to school. I hooked up with Rachel before first period, and we walked to class together. Down the main hall. Me and Rachel, the goddess of clothing and good grooming. You look great, Rachel said. Hi, Rachel, a boy named Charles said, smiling awkwardly. Oh, and hi, um, Carla. See? Charles smiled at you. He called me Carla. Has he ever spoken to you before? Rachel asked. I guess not. See? Progress. Marco likes to tease Rachel, calling her Xena, warrior princess. And when I'm with her, I guess I'm Gabrielle, the sidekick. Guys see Rachel first, second, and third. They see me fourth. Personally, I don't care. Looks and clothing don't matter even slightly to me. And the people who matter are the ones who see past all that. Hey Rachel, how's it going? A boy named Jawan asked, smiling shyly. Fine, Rachel said coolly. Cassie, you've met Jawan, haven't you? I shrugged. Hi Jawan. Hey Kendra, he said. See you later in English, Rachel. Kendra? I asked Rachel. He gave you a definite look, Rachel said. So what if he isn't good at remembering names? He remembers your name pretty well, I pointed out. Then I spotted a guy named Joe. Joe was a friend of mine from when we both took writing lessons together. He would remember my name. Hey Cassie, whoa, whoa, something's different about you. He stepped back and stared at me. New outfit, Rachel suggested. Joe shook his head. No, no, that's not it. Oh, I know what it is. He snapped his fingers. You look like you've gained weight. Have you been trying to bulk up? Rachel reached with one elegant hand and pushed Joe disdainfully out of the way. That proves nothing, Rachel said. Uh-huh, I look fatter. Guys are idiots sometimes. Not Jake, I said. Rachel rolled her eyes. Jake is the exception that proves the rule, she said. And there he is now. Jake was cruising down the hall, joking and talking with some non-animal friends. Part of what we have to do is maintain normal lives as much as possible. Hi, Cassie, Jake said, peeling off from his buds. Hey, Rachel. Rachel stood back and held her hands out toward me like a fashion designer showing off her latest supermodel. So? So what? Jake asked blankly. So the outfit! The outfit! Rachel exploded in frustration. Doesn't Cassie look great in these new clothes? These clothes that actually fit? And have no raccoon poop stains? Doesn't she look fabulous? Jake smiled his slow smile. Of course she looks great. She always does. You guys have fun in the drylands this afternoon. And try to be careful. He walked off down the hall leaving me with a nice, warm glow. Rachel stared at me. Okay, he's an idiot too. No, you were right the first time, I said smugly. He's the exception. 
We reached first period class. I sighed deeply, my usual reaction to first period. The classroom was stuffy and airless. The windows just looked out at the blank brick wall of the gym. I went to my seat and tried to remind myself of what we were supposed to have studied that night before. Did I do my homework? Oh yeah, I had. It was in my... No, no, it can't be! Marco's voice. He sits two rows over. But now he leapt clear over one row of seats and slithered into an empty desk next to mine. He stared at me, wide-eyed with wonder. Way too much wonder. Who is this vision of loveliness? Who is this fantasy come true? Excuse me, but are you Tyra Banks? No, no, you can't be any mortal girl. So much perfection can never be achieved by a mere human. You're an angel descended from the heavens. I mean, they say clothes make the man, but these clothes make you an angel. I took out my homework and placed it on my desk. Are you done? I asked Marco. He thought for a moment, then nodded. Yeah, that should be about enough. What did Rachel pay you? He grinned. Two bucks. Girls are such idiots sometimes. I'd have done it for a dollar. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Almost stumbled on that intro, but I recovered. Uh, I don't really have much to put here this time. Got that all out of the way last time. So, uh, you know, check out theapocalypse.com. That's my website where I put all the stuff I do. Uh, if you use Apple Podcasts and want to leave me a rating and review, sure would appreciate it. If you want to tell a friend, I'd appreciate that too. Uh, if you'd like to reach me, you can do that at the aforementioned theapocalypse.com or at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Okay, well, that's enough of that. I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight 